0: say, Mr. Fort, if, uh, if I actually cared about the Jets winning and I hadn't erased so much of the negative passion where I get angry at things, today would have been a banner day because I was heated even with wanting them to lose, expecting it. I mean, they did everything I told you they would do and I was still so
1: angry. You and me must share a DNA because as I was watching this game and even going into the game, you and me have talked about this I calmly told myself that even though I picked the Jets to win and I want them to win, I'm not going to get frustrated if they lose. This is the type of season that we kind of quote unquote are having and signed up for. It is what it is. And as the game was unfolding, I was practically ripping out my hair. The frustration, the anger, it was like we were playing for a playoff spot. In a season full of lows, this was rock bottom to me just absolute garbage and i was fuming
0: let's start right there because i had the same thought and and i don't want to like go to something else and come back to it i am if with you a hundred percent this was rock bottom not because it was their worst game because it wasn't it was rock bottom because the jets have played better lately And they should know better than this by now. They have turned it around. They have their guys back. They just reverted back to form where they were earlier in the year for no reason. It's not like some extra guys got hurt. It's not like the coach called a great game and they just screwed up. This was everything the Jets were terrible at in the first few weeks. Coming back home to roost for absolutely no reason other than the quarterback and coach combo is absolutely terrible and is I mean, it's toxic at this point. It's, it's brutal. This was rock bottom for the Jets after the progress they've made over the last month.
1: The only thing that got cemented for me watching this game, I don't want to hear anybody talk, explain to me or impress me with their knowledge. Adam Gase, I don't care who you give him at quarterback. He's not salvageable as a Jets head coach. Sam Darnold, I don't care if you give him Bill Belichick in his prime, the, the best coach you can think of. He's not salvageable as a Jets starting quarterback. This was just as uninspiring as a quote-unquote winnable game can turn out to be this was just a waste of three hours of my life and the biggest thing to me that stood out when i was looking at sam darnold forget the numbers forget the stats even forget the wins and losses when i was watching him today the reason why this was the official funeral the final nail in the coffin for darnold as far as i'm concerned the body language reminded me of um your kids are a little bit older than mine. It reminded me like you forced your son to go to practice to play so he can play Xbox at night. And he's got a big puts on his face. Exactly. Just slumped shoulders. There was no command of the huddle. There was no communication that I saw him walking around talking to his offensive line when the wide receivers on a sideline. It was a guy who is kind of resigned to his faith. This is not going to be good. I know it. Let me just get through it. At least to me, when I go to sleep tonight, I no longer is going to have that little debate in my head. But maybe what? What if? What if if you got a fair shake? What if you get better coaching? No, no, this is just at this point a full-out bust that's a wrap on his career as a Jets quarterback in my book.
0: I agree a billion percent. And for me, it wasn't so much the body line. I actually did not pick up on that. I really didn't. I think he's just a little overwhelmed. It's a good point. I'll have to check it out. But there is, me, there's
1: absolutely no reason for him to be overwhelmed at this point. I agree with you, but that actually, to me, and I'm sorry that I cut you off. It was just such a good point that you made. There is no reason that he should be overwhelmed unless he's seeing some new scheme in a playoff game for the first time, your first playoff game, your jitters, forget it. You you had your game to see ghosts a couple of years ago. It new New England, just no excuse, no rhyme or reason. I'm sorry, I'm I'm done. I want to let I want to hear your thoughts for a second.
0: No, no, that's okay. But you're absolutely right. There is no reason for him to be overwhelmed in a general sense to where it affects his morale. You know, the kid, the kid did not play a great game. But the moment for me, there was this one moment. It was the first interception, not because of the interception, but what they showed afterwards. Right. You have Darnold run out of the pocket. And when they showed the replay from behind the the play, like from behind Darnold, you saw that he he ran out of the pocket before he had to. So that tells me that he is either listening to everybody talk about how he's better on the run and make his plays, or he is just so shell-shocked from always having the pocket claps on him that he leaves it too early. It was starting to move a little bit, but he had at least another one or two seconds minimum in that pocket where he could have looked for a receiver and instead ran out and threw a terrible terrible interception across his body he threw it right to the guy it's not even like the guy had to make a play on it he literally threw it right to him so that for me was the final nail when this kid is so skittish and does not even stand in there and try and find a receiver for the extra second or two he had if you get a chance to go look at the play go see what i mean he had at least another second or two and in the nfl a second or two is all you need to get a ball to a receiver that was when i was like that is it I'm done. Sam Darnold cannot be our guy. In a normal year, maybe it'd have to be stuck with him. But this, all the all the perfect storm criteria coming is coming together for the Jets right now.
1: Sam Darnold is out of here, and he deserves to be out of here. There's no question. This was the type of game that gets a quarterback benched. I'm sorry, but any other time, frankly, even when you're 0 and 10, by the middle of the third quarter, the guy should have been benched. That was a wrap. I wrote down three points that about Sam Darnold, and I actually want to go through them a little. bit. Not in a hurry, because I want to ask your opinion on each one of those. The first one was just basic to me. It's just for a guy who is, what is it, his third year now? Uh, I know he missed a few starts. Today's game, he looked like an undrafted rookie making his first start. He just looked lost. He looked confused. Uh, there is nothing. There's nothing that. There's nothing that made me feel confident that he felt any sort of confidence he just looked completely out of his league, out of his element. Do you think he looked overmatched or do you think this is just uh, him shutting it down, the play calling? What do you attribute it? Or do you think he didn't look as bad as I think he looked today? No, I think he
0: looked terrible. I think he looked terrible all the way through. Uh, And one of the points that I had written down is I know both of us have kind of independently, we didn't even discuss this, have started taking notes so that we can kind of be coherent when we make these points. One of the notes I wrote down was that the offense already does not look as fluid. I think it was—I think that was late first quarter, early second quarter, where you know you're past the point where you're going to make an excuse because it's early and it's only one drive. I, I wrote down that the offense does not look as fluid. And to me, it, when you have all your receivers and you have everybody that you that you need to to make your game better, and you still are not looking as good as the guy before you, then yes, you're overwhelmed. So I absolutely picked up on that. I, I 100% agree with you on that. The second
1: thing was, it's three points watching Sam Darnold, and the reason why I kind of emotionally shut down and said that's it, I'm done with Darnold, is because it's the same three points that pretty much we've been discussing since his rookie season. Number one, he made All the throws that he was kind of making as far as quote unquote timing throws were garbage two, three, four yard passes that didn't really scare anybody. It was like a glorified running play. The second thing is if his primary receiver was covered exactly what you just mentioned, his eyes got as big as saucers and the guy just started dancing around running in a pocket, he doesn't understand the concept of throwing the ball away And living to fight another play without giving up a negative yardage play to the opposing team, he starts running, dancing, and he's not that. He's not a Lamar Jackson. He's not the he's not holmes he ends up taking sacks that could have been avoided and he he dances behind a line of scrimmage for two three seconds which like you said in football terms it's an eternity throw the ball away second and 10 sounds a lot better than second and 16 to me and he still doesn't have the ability to just get rid of the ball that was the thing that really pissed me off and the last thing is even though he took a couple of shots deep to me when donald goes deep it's almost like he predetermines it before the snap. Like, all right, on this one, I'm going to take a chance. Whether it's single covered, whether it's double covered, whatever it may be, he just decides, he cl- close your eyes, pray, and heave. Where And you and me both have always, for the past two years, pretty much begging the offense to open it up, take a few deep shots. But the guy has complete inability. If you look and there's double coverage, pump fake, go the other way, or throw the ball away, no, it's just... Fine. This is the one I'm going to go deep so nobody can uh, criticize it if you don't take the shots. And he just heaves it up there, whether it's double coverage. I'm okay with one-on-one coverage. I don't want to sound like I'm going back on what I said. I am okay with an NFL receiver getting a chance in a one-on-one coverage for a 50-50 ball. I believe in today's NFL, the odds are in your favor to either get a pass interference or to make a play if you're a receiver that's NFL worthy. But the way he was doing it, he wasn't letting the play develop. He wasn't even waiting for the guy to get potentially behind the cornerback. He wasn't checking if there was single or double coverage. It was just drop back, heave it. Okay, we got a deep throw out of the way. Let's go back to the little two and three-yard dinky dunks.
0: I picked up on the on the long throws, not so much the same thing, but I did pick up that his long throws are not good. He kind of heaves the ball up as a, it's almost like a floater. There's no zip on the ball. There's no arc. It's, it's almost like he just throws a floater up and it's usually, it's subtle. It is, it is very, very slightly behind these guys or slightly over their heads. They, they're never in stride. All of his throws are underthrown, slightly overthrown. Well, the overthrown ones are obvious. He doesn't hit them. Even when they make the catch or they go up for it, there's something that if he had just extended the ball a little bit further this guy would have had a play on it so he's not a good deep ball passer and I think you're right and I think it all plays back into the one thing is that he's not comfortable in the offense and he you know something we've been saying all along he always stares down his primary receiver he's not comfortable enough to stand there and look for other receivers there was a play late in the game that probably is the one you're speaking about where he threw it down the field it was a it was a long pass into double coverage there were two guys there
1: It was Mims it was that's exactly you know, the play runner. I was thinking
0: yeah of. I mean that's that's you can't to throw that ball, especially, and I'm sure the safety when the ball went up ran over to Mims, but there, there seemed to be a guy underneath who was wide open. Maybe he wasn't really open to begin with. Arnold gets it focused on who he has to throw the ball to and doesn't think of anything else. And if he has time to think about something else, he panics and runs out thinking he's going to get sacked. He is a mess right now. It doesn't matter anymore. It honestly does not matter in the tiniest least bit whether the Jets did it to him or he's just not that good. It does not matter. He is what he is, which is a guy who is completely overwhelmed, a complete mess. His mechanics are a mess his judgment's a mess everything is a mess there is nothing good going for Sam Donald right now nothing
1: zero I agree if if you've ever seen a player who needs a change of scenery to even have a chance of saving his career this is the perfect example look at the starting quarterback for the New York Jets Sam Donald that is a case of needing a change of scenery needing a new voice needing to kind of be build back up because I think he's at the bottom of the bottom as can be he needs to be slowly methodically built up everything his mechanics his confidence his reads His accuracy, possibly his footwork. I'm not a quarterback coach, but I'm assuming maybe some of the accuracy issues are related to the footwork. There's a ton of work. He needs somebody who's going to be patient. What really also frustrated me, and I'm kind of jumping from the offense to defense now, the big picture was fine. Fine. We lost another game. Let's be positive. We're still on course for Trevor Lawrence, which is the big picture. But what really frustrated me watching the game is the defense they made plays they made winning plays they made the plays that you and me talked about that they made takeaways they gave the offense a short field those guys to me play their balls off they played balls to the wall the effort was there they made the winning plays but the offense rewarded them by putting up three points i am going to
0: uh make two points about what you just said because i wrote them down too. number one I've said for, I mean, I don't know how many different times I've said this year, and I've told you over the years, the Jets are mind-boggling, and they managed to win turnover battles or win the rushing, you know, like rush for more, and still lose games. This one ended up not being it will not go on the stat sheet because it's Darnold's second interception, but the defense played its ass off. The Jets had two turnovers to the Dolphins one, and was still losing the game. They put up a, a stat that Miami was one and twenty-four over the past four seasons when they lost the turnover battle. And their only win was earlier this year against the Jets. So this is the Jets over and over. The defense will play well. The offense will do nothing to help them. Darnold's second interception tied the turnover battle at two. So it you know it saved the Jets the ignominy of two games in the same season when they lose a the turnover battle, you know? Or they win the turnover battle, I should say. So I am right there with you. The other defensive point I wanted to make... Um, damn, where was it? I had it written down here. Um... All right, I might have to get back to it because two points I wanted to make based on what you had said. All right, I'll get back to it if it comes to me, but you, you are you once again absolutely right. It, it, it's seeming like in a year like this, we're never going to disagree, so we may as well just bitch and bitch and, and agree because the, the defense played really well, although I was a little annoyed that after a turnover they went and danced in front of that camera like they scored a touchdown. I mean, what are you doing? You're 0-10. You're losing 13-3 you know, to 3 or 20-3, to 3, whatever it was at the time, and you, you get a turnover and you're running and, and piling up the pyramid in front of the camera. Come on, man.
1: That's one of my biggest pet peeves, if you guys are dancing, celebrating, you better back it up. And when your record is 0-10 and, and clearly on the way to 0-11, there is nothing to celebrate. Just humble, be humble. Just crawl to the sideline, run, hope nobody looks at you. This is one of those seasons you just want to end. There is no reason to bring that unnecessary attention to yourselves. That was childish. I'm never going to be a fan of it. I'm a little too old school for celebrating when you're down three scores and out of the playoff right. picture since week three. <laughs> week three
0: since since august i actually did not mind in generally i don't mind let the kids have fun their kids whatever but in that situation you you're, you're getting dominated your team is terrible you're 0 10 you you have a, now when you look at the schedule there's a legit shot you're going into new england at 0 15 later this year and you're freaking piling up and, and congratulating each other and posing for the camera <laughs> after after a turnover wasn't even if they had picked six it. I would be all over it, yes. you know, but th- it, yes. was, it was a freaking turnover and they ran 30 yards to do it. Let's get into a little bit of, of the game stuff. Now, early on, y- you saw it was going to be another Frank Gore show, right? Frank Gore, second and 15 early in the game, they freaking run the ball right up the middle. And I'm I already, and at that point I was just like, I cannot freaking believe this. And the next play, they shut me up because he threw a, a, a pretty big pass to Perriman which you know we go back to Donald not being accurate and never. that pass to Perriman he made a nice play on that the ball didn't hit him in the chest he had to reach down and kind of and kind of scoop it up and pull it towards him to catch the ball if he, if Donald hit him in stride he might have been able to turn it up field but whatever they shut me up but that that right there set the tone it's you know first couple of drives of the game you get a full star penalty or whatever he made it second and 15 and here you are handing the ball off the gore up the middle on second and 15 like you're freaking going anywhere they just set themselves up for failure all the time. And I know you're going to hit the Gore thing, so I'll hit it first. Frank Gore at the half. Are you ready for this? I don't know if you went and looked it up. I did. Frank Gore at the half had 13 carries and three receptions, 16 touches. The entire rest of the team had seven touches combined. Now, what the hell good does that do, this football team, that Frank Gore more than doubles, more than doubles every other player on the team at halftime? Can you explain that to me on any level? I know you can't. I'm just it's rhetorical, but that is so frustrating. The poor guy was gasping for air after every play because they they, they just kept running him, running him, running him. And he's he's thirty seven years old. Doesn't he doesn't need to be carrying the ball all the time.
1: I wasn't aware of the stat, but hearing it, just hearing it is absolutely mind-numbing. It's it's inexcusable. It, there is no way to defend it. There is no way to rationalize it. The guy should be a veteran presence guiding the young guys, almost like a player coach at this point. I understand he's steady. He doesn't fumble. He knows the playbook, blah, 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 all the good things. He's earned it. He deserves it. There is no reason he should be the focal point on an offense, especially a team going nowhere, a team that's evaluating young guys. Bring a goddamn running back off a practice squad. Give him those carries. What are you proving at this point by having him be a steady hand who doesn't fumble the ball and gets you two or three yards per carry? This does nothing to me.
0: I agree. And, and the thing is, is you get so many factors that make it not make sense. Number one, his age. There's no, he he is not going to be part of the team going forward. Find out what you have in other guys. But even if you didn't want to do it through running plays, you now have all your receivers. This is what we've been waiting for all year. Sam Darnold needs his receivers. He hasn't played with his receivers. They didn't open it up enough, which that might be Darnold. It might just be that, but it just seems they didn't even try. It's gore, gore, gore. And the most telling thing is they had zero zero targets to a tight end today, zero. That's a big fat zero. That means none. That means they didn't even try to throw the ball to a tight end. So you're telling me that 16 touches for Frank Gore in the first half is acceptable when you haven't even tried to throw to a tight end and all of your receivers and other, any other position had, had seven touches combined in the first half. For me, the moment where
1: I slapped my knee in anger today, I believe it came after of the first fumble when the Jets got the ball, I think in the Miami territory, it was like a 40-45 yard line, close to midfield, but they were definitely in the Miami territory. The defense gets the turnover, they're hyped up, they're jumping around, they're celebrating all good things, winning football, momentum changing play. The Jets come out and all I'm thinking to myself is, when you force the turnover inside your own five, you throw a pass. It ended up being an absolute utter disaster. But this is the opportunity where the first play, the first snap, I want you to take a shot downfield. This is the moment. This is the time when you're gonna go downfield, run down the middle <laughs> oh for two God. yards. And I just slapped my I
0: knee. Am laughing. And I was like, No. <laughs> I am laughing so hard because that's exactly one of the things I wanted to talk about. But go ahead, finish and then I'll give you my thoughts. go.
1: No, that, and I just I slapped my knee. And I just looked up and I said, don't get angry. This is Adam Gase. You should have expected this. But inside, I was just fuming. And I keep telling myself, you know, I'm not a coach. I'm just a fan. What do I know? But I'm sorry. There are certain things that you watch the game long enough. It just makes sense. Show a little aggression. Show a little hunger. Take that deep shot. What, what were the possibilities? If you drop back and you're going to take a sack, which, okay, possibility with Sam Darnold. You're going to make a huge play or a pass interference, or you get picked off and the Dolphins have to go 90 yards, 80 yards, whatever that may be. God forbid, we might make either a first down, which, you know, Adam Gase breaks out in hives. You always crack me up when you say he's allergic to first downs. Or even scarier, we might have a big play for a touchdown and actually put ourselves in the position to be in the game. Same old fucking Jets.
0: That play was, I mean, it's one of many turning points. They turned so many times. I don't even know which point it was, but that play <laughs> and, and y- y- your memory is actually faulty because the Jets recovered the ball on Miami's 30 or something like that. It was deep. It was deep. And I'm like, great. Here is an opportunity. Every other team in the league here, when you get a momentum changing play like that goes for the kill. Even if you don't go for the end zone, at least throw the ball downfield. What is the worst that's going to happen? You can have second down. You're going to end up settling for a field goal 90% of the time anyway, because you're the Jets. What the fuck have you got to lose? Nope. You hand off the gore right up the middle for, for nowhere. And that right there, just like you, that's when the frustration just started to boil over. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. Now I'm a guy who is rooting for, not rooting for them to lose during the game but I want them to lose. I do not want them to win, okay? I am a guy who sat here on a podcast with you and in my 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 YouTube videos and said that the Jets are due to lose, they're going to get blown out and I'm also a guy who said that Darnold is is at his crossroads here and then if he can't perform with Flacco's what the same team Flacco did, then we know everything we need to know. I said all of these things. I expected it. I bet the fucking Jets might you know I bet the Dolphins minus seven. I knew this was coming, and I was still super aggravated. I was still so angry and frustrated watching this mess. Even though I want them to lose, it is so frustrating to see that that he's got no balls. He's got no balls whatsoever. He is he he's the worst coach we have ever had, and that is saying a lot.
1: It's barn on barn on. And I thought that in my life. I'm never going to see anything more horrendous than the Rich tight, the two seasons. I've seen it. I've lived it. It's and this worked. is the year. That that play, what angered me is uh, after that turnover, I literally sat up on the edge of my chair, all zoned in 150% into the game, which I probably haven't done since week two, when we were mathematically eliminated. I felt myself gripping the chair in excitement. I'm like, this is the moment. The defense just made a play. We're going to take a shot. However it plays out, I'll be prepared. But I was excited about the play call. And then and then I see the run down the middle, that I slap my knee, I lean back and I'm like, don't even play yourself anymore. It's that's a rap. That's a rap on Darnold. That's a rap on Gaze. I how can you how can you even hope for anything when in a lost season you're afraid to take a shot?
0: Not even just the lost season. It, I mean, they had. It's not even like they were in their own territory. It wasn't like a shot. This is this is everyday common sense. You you just recovered a fumble. You ran it back to their thirty, and you have th- two other plays to get a first down. And you don't go for first downs anyway. You're going to kick a field goal. That's what you do. What the hell do you have to lose? What what are you trying to gain by running the ball up the middle? Let's not pretend that every single first down didn't start with a run up the middle. It's not like he was fooling anybody. That's the thing. If the Jets had been pass, 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 and they want to hand it to Gore on first down in that situation, at least it's mixing it up. They ran on first down up the middle
1: almost every single drive. It is so predictable to pile on, on to the point, the great point that you just made, I swear that at this point, if a team lined up with putting all of their defensive players in a box, just let the receivers run free, first and 10, I don't care where it is, Gase is still going to commit to the run, nope, we play, it for, we play it safe on first down, let's run down the middle, one or two yards hopefully, the guys, and it's a point that you've been making... He's incapable of adjusting. He's incapable of coaching to what's in front of him. He's capable of drawing up X's and O's before the game. At least that's what it seems like. And he's just sticking to it. There's no adjustments. There is no changes. My frustration boiled over in a season where I committed myself to not get angry because we are looking at the big picture they managed to piss me the fuck off today. It was just, this was the rock bottom of the season for me.
0: A couple of other frustrating Adam Gase things. First of all, apparently Gase has been receiving the plays from Logins and, and relaying them to, you know, to Flacco or, or Donald, whoever, I don't think he ever had Logins call the place for Donald. So it's for Flacco. Now, I'm not an NFL coach. I've never been. So I don't know if that makes sense or not. But to me, it doesn't sound like it makes sense. What the hell is the point of giving it to you? Have the fucking guy send it directly to the quarterback. That's number one. It, it, it doesn't matter. That's just a minor thing. But the, the, the reason I bring it up is that Gase took the play calling back today. And that, to me, is extremely frustrating, not only because he's not a good play caller. He's terrible, but... Mostly because you just got off of three games where Flacco looked pretty decent, and now you have the opportunity to evaluate these two guys on the same playing field. And you go and th- and throw a wrench into it. Take the play calls back next week. Find out what Darnold has in the exact same situation as Flacco, so at least we can make a determination whether or not Darnold has any hope. You know, if if you do things differently for Darnold because for whatever stupid reason he has, then you you're not getting a fair. Fair assessment. Now I, we got the assessment we needed anyway, but still, you, you still didn't give Darnold the opportunity to play with the exact same circumstances as Flacco, and all we did was get more questions about whether Flacco's any good and Darnold's that bad. Although we know Darnold is, but for different reasons. Now, here's a frustrating thing that the Jets did. I have never seen this ever, ever in my life. We've been—I've you know, been watching football for for thirty-nine, yeah, thirty-nine years now. Um, you've been watching football, I'm sure, for at least 25, 25 to 30. 26, yeah. Yeah, right? The Jets, at the end of the first quarter, and it, <laughs> it still boggles my mind, right? They 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 ran a play, and then there's about 13, 14 seconds left in the quarter, and the Jets go into a, into a hurry up, and I'm like, great. Let's go keep them off their feet. Let's run a play. Let's do whatever. And they line up, and they let the quarter run out trying to get them off sides. Now, it was second and eight. What are you, even if you get the offsides penalty, you're going to be second and three going into the second quarter. What the, what does that do? And and it wasn't even a first down that you would have got. I don't get it. I mean, did you see that play? Did you even notice it?
1: I saw the play. uh, I didn't pay as much attention to it. Uh, It was kind of just like, okay, the Jets, but hearing you talk about it is just, it reemphasizes the fact that Gase tries to prove that he's the smartest guy in the room. Mm -hmm either run a play, like you said, I would have been more excited if they actually hurry up up the line and actually get the snap off. He tries to outwit himself. He's like, ooh, I'm really going to surprise them. I'm going to see if I can get them to jump offside. It's just, it's not necessary.
0: But what's he going to do? Go into a bar after the game and say, hey, I got him to jump off sides on a second and eight in the first quarter. What what good did it do? It didn't get you an important first down. It didn't do anything. So even if you would have fooled them, what did you get out of it? What is the point? When you try and get a team to jump off sides, it's because you want a first down or you want to try and get closer so you can go for it on fourth down or decide to punt or whatever. There's no reason to try and draw them off sides on a second and eight. And if you're going to use a no huddle in that situation, why not try and open it up and be aggressive and use it in other situations no we never saw the no huddle again so basically adam gase saved the no huddle for a second and eight to end the first quarter where he tried to draw the team off sides
1: this was typical Gase. You're sticking your right foot into your left shoe and complaining that it just doesn't fit. It's not comfortable, <laughs> but you're going to keep on trying. That's Adam Gase to me.
0: That's funny. Okay, so I uh, just just a laugh thing before I get back to Adam Gase. The Jets have a great drive to get all the way down the field, and then you know drive stalls, of course, and then they miss the chip shot field goal. It's just so Jets. Okay, one other point before we make the big one, which I know you probably have on your list too. You know, after the first Darnold interception, Gase, of course, went into his conservative play calling shell again, and the next drive. There were three, not one, not two, not three across a few different drives, three straight on the same drive passes behind the line of scrimmage where, he, where I guess he was trying to make things happen. Two wide receiver screens and then a swing out to Gore. Are you that afraid to turn Donald loose that you're now basically... Putting them in a position where the only way they gain positive yardage is if a guy makes a move on somebody. I cannot continue to bang my head against the wall about this guy, but it just it just continues to boggle my mind how he, he has no feel for the game and his play calling is just so inappropriate for situations, and he has no aggressiveness. And you can you cannot win in football if you're not going to be aggressive. You just can't. It's it's a it's a
1: fact. I was going to say uh, at first I was going to say I bet you cannot find a more conservative team in the NFL. But i don't want to do that's kind of giving credit to gaze let me rephrase that you cannot find a dumber game plan in the nfl than watching the new york jets if you look at the jacksonville jaguars and i know if you don't watch them religiously week to week but just pull up a few highlights of their games this year they come to play they take shots they run an nfl offense just a team that doesn't have talent they're also in full rebuild mode so i can understand but you look at them and they're at least trying to create some excitement take shots downfield a lot of young guys they certainly don't have a 47 year old running back leading the team in carries and touches there's at least some excitement for fans to get behind they're obviously evaluating their young guys they're trying to make one or two big plays just something to get the fan base excited and then you have this idiot gaze calling plays that are just they're so outdated. I'm, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but it looks like a high school offense where a quarterback has a weak arm. It's just the only thing that could get worse if they switch to a triple option. It's just so outdated, so basic, so predictable. And I think what really frustrated me this week is the offense put up 20 points. Fitzpatrick looked good, but it wasn't the Fitzmagic guy. This game was there to be had, especially when the defense, the defense showed up, the defense made plays. So... In a lost season, when there's just that little spark of potential excitement to piss it away because you're, again, scared to open it up, scared to take a chance. And exactly what you said, Flacco got an opportunity. Why are we not giving the same chance to Darnold just so we can compare apples to apples? The second thing that I wanted to mention, it's kind of piggybacking on what you said. When they, when the announcer said during the game that the play calling comes from upstairs, it goes to Gase and then it goes to Darnold, number one, I'm like, wait, you're wasting valuable seconds that you can actually be at the line of scrimmage evaluating the defense. Number two, it kind of made me chuckle because I thought of you in a sense of you have your own company. You're always evaluating people. Gaze to me looks like that employee. It's like he's afraid that if they have a good game, the credit is not going to go to him. So he has to be involved. It has to go through the boss, which to me is just, again, shows how ill-equipped he is to deal with the with the full scope of being an NFL head coach.
0: Well, yeah, the other thing they said was that um, it wasn't even confirmed that, that Gase took the play calling back. Just like when Gase gave the play calling to the offensive coordinator, that wasn't confirmed either. It's almost like he operates in, in a shroud of secrecy because he doesn't want people to know who's calling the plays. Who cares who's calling the plays? If they're good plays, nobody's going to care. So here is, well, here's this was at the end of the game. It was frustrating, but then I will get to the final one, which is a little earlier in the game than the point I'm about to make, where I finally just, I boiled over, I couldn't take it anymore. But first this one, right? They just get the ball back with about 6.5, between 6.5 and, and 7, maybe 6.40 left. They're down 20-3. to three. That's three scores. There's 6.5 minutes left. If you're really legitimately trying to win this game, you need to try and score, right? What do you think the first play was?
1: I'm guessing a safe conservative run down the middle.
0: <laughs> a run to Gore right up the middle. I mean, and then that, was, that was where Darnold threw the interception on the second interception on our next play. He gave up again. He gave up, and he ran the ball right up the middle. And and I don't care if you don't trust Darnold. I really don't care. Let Darnold make his mistakes if he has to. But what you're doing when you run the ball up the middle on first down every goddamn drive, all you're doing is putting the kid in a tougher position because now he's got a longer way to go. Second and and six is way different than second and ten. Third and and eight is way different than third and three. And this is is part of him not understanding about first downs. You don't have to get the first down on, on on a single play that's why they give you four downs is is you you have to be aggressive and try but forget that for now we're talking six and a half minutes left and you and you you have you need to score three times
1: <sighs> if you're gonna pack it in just run the ball three times punt protect Sam Darnold fine right but the fact that you passed on a second right. down and one of the one of the phrases that I learned that be, becoming a football fan and I never forgot it it was all about making the third down manageable that means you want to put yourself in a position for third and two, third and three, third and four. You don't want to end up in third and eight, third and ten plus. If you're going to go with a short pass, a little slam down the middle or a little quick pass towards the sidelines, which is going to net you anywhere from four to five, six yards, that's the first down, now second and six, second at five, you're in a fantastic position. You have two attempts to get a very manageable amount of yards. You can sprinkle in a run, you can even run it two times, but this guy is so predictable that if you and me can see it coming a mile away, imagine the NFL defensive coordinators who actually study tape, study the game plans and come in prepared. They must be giggling to themselves like the guy's not living in a bubble. There's, he knows that this criticism is there on him and nothing changes. You're the worst goddamn team in the NFL, everybody criticizes the offense, and he's like one of those guys, let's stay the course. It will get better.
0: So final, I am sure, I am positive you have this play on your list because we've talked about this stuff a million times. This was the play where I just, I finally, my anger boiled over and I was actually legitimately angry. Like earlier in the game, I was kind of frustrated. I'd laugh because hey, I don't necessarily want them to win anyway. This was the play where I was legitimately angry. So the Jets, right? They, they get down the field and they get to the 10-yard line. It's fourth and one. OK, you can see you can already see what's coming. Right, Fourth and one. It's 13 three. It's <laughs> it's 13 three. It's fourth and one. Now you could you have two shots here. You either go for it or you kick a field goal. OK, I will not argue. With anybody who says they should have kicked the field goal because that would have got them to one score, but they went for it and I liked it. I liked the fact that they wanted to go for it and that they were being aggressive and they wanted to get the ball in the end zone, not settling for the field goal. So I am not going to second guess that they should have gone for the field goal. Although while at the same time, I will not argue that it would have been a good move because it's, you know, what is it? Fourth quarter at the time. They line up and right away, I mean, as if we hadn't seen fourth and one from this team 50 times this year and they did the exact same thing every single time, the way they lined up basically telegraphed it. So, like, my, my wife, who knows nothing about football, my dead grandmother, who <laughs> doesn't follow football, everybody who's watched the game and, of course, everybody on Miami's defense knew exactly what was coming, a run to Frank or <laughs> up the middle. And the formation told them that because they had everybody, every single player was bunched up on the line with the exception of, I think it was Perriman, who was slightly off. He was kind of what would be considered the slot if there were receivers lined up. And he ran in motion to line up next to the tight end. So they had every single player on the line. So everybody knew a run was coming. My grandmother called me from the grave and said, listen, I haven't spoken to you in 16 years, but the Jets are going to run the ball. What are they doing, right? Everybody knew a run was coming, including the linebacker who stopped Gore for a two-yard loss on fourth and (laughs) one. So that was when I was like, you have to be kidding me. This is the absolute perfect situation to run a play action. You know, we've talked about this before too. Anytime someone runs a play action in that situation, there was a tight end no one has ever heard of standing alone in the end zone by himself, no one even near him. The Jets had that perfect opportunity and they would they would have scored a touchdown and they would have been back in the game. No, they handed it to Gore anyway. I don't know if Darnold can't audible out or Gase can't see that this is happening. They handed it to him, and the guy, the second he had the ball, a guy I slammed into him for a one and a half, a two-yard loss, and that was it. Ball goes back to Miami, and if the Jets ever had any chance of getting back in the game, it was gone.
1: I am so glad that I missed that play, and I completely missed that play. I don't know if I might have stepped out or or took a call, but like you, both options were readily available, and I would have been okay with both of them. you take the points to make it a one-score game, but I completely don't mind you being aggressive and going for it on fourth down. That's exciting. I want to see it. But when you, when you realize the idiot that we have calling the plays and the simplicity and how easy he makes it for the defense to stop him, it's just it's heartbreaking as a fan.
0: It was so predictable. It was so predictable. I mean, you know, I, I, for a second, I was like, oh, good. They're going for a fourth down. Then I was like, oh, boy. that's going to be the same thing every time. But then the formation for it, I'm telling you, go check this play out if you can. If you can find it somewhere. It was somewhere early in the fourth quarter. And tell me that the formation... Did not just scream we're running the ball. And of course, if you're running the ball, it's not going to be a trick play. It's not going to be a sweep because every single guy was lined up on the line. If you run it outside, you probably got a good chance at someone turning the corner. Nope. Right up the middle. And he never even made it anywhere. He got he got hit before, you know, I think he might have took a half step and then got hit. This is this is it, crazy
1: uh, to me. It is the utmost. Because he confidence. coaches like he's got the best team in the NFL. But you know, there are certain plays that the top, top, top teams they'll make where you kind of f- feel you know what's coming whether it's the fans whether it's the defense and they're pretty much going to tell you go fuck yourself you know what's coming go ahead stop us we have so much talent we have such good execution and timing go ahead you know what's coming stop us and they'll still succeed sometimes sometimes they won't but sometimes talent can kind of cover up those things and there's no predictability to that With the Jets, there's predictability, there is no talent, and yet he sticks to it. Usually, you see, when teams lack talent, you have to have some imagination as a coach. And his imagination is, it's like playing Madden, but the 1992 edition, where you just give it to your running back and go down the middle.
0: Yeah, the fact that I have spent this entire season hoping they'll lose and talking, you know, and and bragging, I'm not even going to just say talking about, bragging about how I have let all of the negative passion go, and I'm waiting for the day I can get back to to um, positive passion and you know think logically and and stop you know looking at little things. This is best, that's best, blah blah blah. I still managed to get frustrated and angry today, and I was legitimately frustrated and angry, even though there's that part of me that that wants them to lose and can't root against them in the game. It was so frustrating, and I, I will tell you that if this was a regular season where I was, if I was still misinformed about their direction. Or if it was a regular season where the Jets had a shot and this exact game was played, I would have absolutely broke things. hundred percent, I would have broke things. I would have been angry. It would have ruined my day. It almost ruined my day anyway, even with all those circumstances.
1: My final takeaway from today is obviously, let's let's take a breath. Let's be positive. Uh, We're still on course for Trevor Lawrence, and that is important. We don't want to fuck that up with one stupid win. But the thing that really broke my back today that kind of put me in the state of rock bottom as a fan is, I'm looking at my notes right now, and I'm looking at the final score: Dolphins 20, Jets 3. Mac, I can't comprehend that we just lost to seven. We just lost to Miami Dolphins by 17 goddamn points. I just, uh,
0: I can't. I told you they would lose by seventeen goddamn points. I hit that. I hit the number of points on the head. You friend. were
1: you were right on point when you said this. This is not. It's going to go one of two ways. Either the Jets win or if they lose, it's not going to be close. And I just for those uh, few listeners who always say that we agree, this was the one where I couldn't disagree with you more. I the one scenario I did not see, which was the worst case scenario, was Miami just absolutely not even allowing the Jets to make it a game. I did. I didn't see it happening. They had a Florida team playing in New York. We had the Jets, just the, the little positives, they were all there. And the pile of trash still stunk up the whole New York. Right now, I feel like I'm in prison and I have like a month to go that I can literally start crossing off days on the calendar because this is what, what this is with the season. The only thing that I'm looking forward to this season is getting an alert on my phone. The Jets have fired Adam Gase.
0: But the funny thing is, is I know this team well enough. And even though, yeah, yeah when you try and overcome emotion Right. It gets difficult because you have to fight it. Right. You have to say, well, no, I don't, I don't know about that. But this week, my emotions told me the Jets, the Jets were going to keep it close and win and whatever, whatever. But my logic, you know, my logic told me that the Jets had to go one way or the other. They were either going to break through and win finally, they were not going to lose a close one, or they were just going to revert back to what they were. And I picked reverting back to what they were because I've seen this so many times with this team. It did not surprise me at all. What did surprise me is the Jets weren't a little bit more um, competitive on offense and the Dolphins didn't put up more. I thought 30 to 13, so I was off by 10 on each team. But I did know that the Dolphins were going to cover. And I uh, I even told people to go back and lay the 7. I told my father to lay the 7. I hope he listened to me. Whatever. That's that's a wrap on this one. Do you want to do a couple of Facebook posts? Because there's some good ones after today.
1: Let's do a couple for sure. Okay. Let me know
0: what you dug up. Yeah, The first pick should be a defensive back, not quarterback. These corners are terrible. This is pitch and catch. Defense has been just as bad this year. Get rid of Gason Williams. Now, I know we should get rid of Gason Williams. I know that the defense hasn't been great, but they didn't look terrible today. But the first pick should be a defensive back? Are you fucking kidding me?
1: So we're going to become the first team in history to draft cornerback <laughs> number one overall. If you think of the greatest, I mean, the greatest cornerbacks that ever played the game, and to me, it's Deion Sanders and obviously Darrell Rivers for a couple of seasons, the greatest absolute shutdown corners in the history to ever step on the football field still do not warrant being drafted number one overall.
0: Right, but not even that. You've got a franchise quarterback, a consensus franchise quarterback sitting there, something the Jets haven't had in 50 years. A franchise quarterback is sitting there. You want to take a defensive back, number one. Number two, it's an offensive league. Your shutdown corner is not going to do for you what it did for you five even five years ago, but 10 years ago, it's not gonna do that anymore. So that is just the that might be the most misinformed post I've I've seen through all of these. All right, let's
1: see. I understand if we're losing constant shootouts and we need a corner to so we're am um, so we don't lose the game 47-43. But uh, we're scoring three points a game. Let's get the offense straight before we start talking about defensive backs. Uh, okay, next.
0: All right. Uh, we're talking about Lawrence. The season hasn't ended yet. We still have five games to go. I had to laugh at that one. Like, yeah, okay. Well, there's so much more to talk
1: about. Clearly, we have such easy teams on our schedule that we are shooing to win at least three of those. Yeah, dude, Unbelievable. It's, it's over, man. The next four games are done.
0: So basically, the Jets are a to be 0-15 heading into Seattle uh, heading into New England for the last game of the season. It's over. Um, Okay, here's a funny one. Explain to me how a different quarterback helps us. Explain to me how we are just a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. Now, first of all, a different quarterback can help us a lot. I think, you know, if you and me went out there, we can we can might be able to help more than Donald's helping right now. But who? said the Jets were a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender is that the Thank only you stole my yeah, is that the only <laughs> criteria you're using here on why we need another quarterback do you think Donald staying in there makes us a Super Bowl contender no matter what we do
1: that's the typical stupidity of a Jets fan where it's all or nothing unless Lawrence gets us to the Super Bowl next season he's not worth it waste well it. yes he is that's why it's called a rebuild project first you get the quarterback then you get the weapons it's a project it's not a, it's not called an overnight fix after the draft
0: Okay. Final one. This one, just just because of what he wants, it, it, it makes it stupid. If the Bengals and Jags get up to three wins, there's only one
1: game I'd want the Jets to win. Week 14 versus Seattle. Really? But it's also so stupid to me just because Jamal Adams is playing there. Like if you're going to beat one game, I'd love to be the division rival, whether it's the Bills, the Dolphins or the Patriots, especially. I I really don't give a damn about Jamal Adams and Pete Carroll in Seattle. It it doesn't bother me that much. Like uh, Seattle is still going to the playoffs. And uh, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. I I don't see the logic in wanting to beat Seattle that badly.
0: You got the Raiders, Seattle. Cleveland the Rams I guess you know like shut Baker Mayfield up but do I even care about that one no I guess New England on the road if the Jets had to win a game let them beat New England on the road unless that would be the one that's the one on my calendar as well all right well I don't have any more. If you don't, then we'll call it a wrap, uh, and we'll uh, we'll talk sometime during the week. I'm sure there will be plenty to talk about after this.
1: I think I got everything off my chest. Another loss in the books, and I look forward to speaking with you in the middle of the week.
0: All right, Vordy, you go enjoy some some life and time. Right, I'll talk to you later. Take care. Buddy. Bye.